I'm Brian Myers. I'm Mike Ritalik. I'm Becky Haddad. And this is Owl Pellets, a podcast featuring tips for ag teachers. We are your agricultural education resource across the web, sharing research-based tips and tackling the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. Hey, Owl Pellets, welcome back to another phenomenal session here of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. Uh, we've got here, we are here with Becky, Mike, this is Brian. We are by the Owl Pellet. And uh, Becky, can you read? <laughs> can I read? Can you read? Some days. She can read. So you're, you're literate is what you're telling I me. Have, I have little kids, so I can read. Like, you're, so she's yeah. literate. So we're going to talk today about literacy, but not just about Why reading. Why did you ask Mike if he can read? <laughs> oh, I know Mike can't read. <laughs> Mike's got books that not all the pages are colored in yet. So we're, we're, we, we are all good here. We are here and we get to talk about uh, agricultural literacy. And it's very exciting. We've got two great experts with us today, uh, Brian Warnick and Amelia Miller. Thank you so much for being with us here today on Alpellets. Thanks. Happy to be here. So to, to get us started here, Brian, why don't you give us a quick introduction of yourself and Amelia can then follow up. Very good. Uh, Brian Warnick, I'm a professor of agricultural education at Utah State University. I've been here for 19 years. Uh, I taught high school agriculture in northern Utah for seven years uh, before jumping to higher education. Uh, ag literacy is one of the areas that interests me uh, primarily, well, for a couple of reasons. One, because it's important. We'll get to that later. And secondly, uh, there is a great team here at Utah State University that has focused on agricultural literacy, and uh, it's been great to be part of that group. Excellent. Hi, everyone. I'm Amelia Miller. I am a PhD candidate at Utah State University, and I have focused all of my graduate school research on the concept of agricultural literacy with the National Center for Ag Literacy that's uh, housed at Utah State University. And in addition to grad school for um, 12 years, I have worked with Michigan Farm Bureau's promotion and education outreach program. So I have helped farmers share their story with youth audiences, with the general public, and with uh, school children, teachers. And so that's where my primary interest in agriculture literacy started. Uh, my undergraduate degree is in agricultural education from Michigan State University uh, as well outstanding what a cool job that sounds like a really cool gig i uh, appreciate all the great work you're doing up there in michigan doing the good things for all the producers and ranchers up there and sharing that through michigan farm bureau and and sharing this great work with us as well so tell us a little bit about the study and a little bit about our topic for the day sure so our um my research again has focused on agricultural literacy which is kind of just understanding um, what people know about the value of agriculture in their daily lives and how they apply that information in decision making. So this particular study, uh, I did a case study focused in the state of Iowa that looked at one elementary school's students, kindergarten through fifth grade. They had a consistent uh, staff person from the Iowa Agriculture in the Classroom program coming into their class and teaching about agriculture. And so um, we used some assessments developed by the National Center for Agriculture Literacy to see how proficient they are in their understanding of agriculture. So something we look at when we 
are studying agriculture literacy is proficiency, which is kind of that long-term growth in understanding and ability to apply what you know about agriculture. It's not necessarily that fact recall. So when we're thinking about elementary school kids, um, we're yes, we're thinking about photosynthesis. We're thinking about you know what animals live on a farm, and um, but we're also thinking about answering some of those more critical thinking questions that are, you know, how would a farmer use certain machines or out of a selection of tools, what might a farmer select to um, warm up a chicken coop, uh, for example. And so they're, they're really applied questions. Um, and we expect to see growth in that over time. So when we look at what a kindergartner's proficiency level might be versus a second graders, we expect to see difference. Super cool stuff, and and we don't get a chance to talk about literacy, particularly at the elementary level, very often. And so, tell us a little bit more about this study, what you found, and in some of the the things that may have been sc- causing you to scratch your head, and you want to learn more about. Yeah. So, when working with elementary school kids, um, the lessons, a lot of the lessons are available through. The- the National Agriculture in the Classroom website, and some states like the state of Iowa had developed some of their own lessons. So in this study, not only we were looking to see if the students progressed, and we found that they did, we found that their proficiency built. So first graders were slightly more proficient than kindergartners, and second graders were more proficient than first graders, and so on um, through the grades, kindergarten through fifth grade. But we were also able to help Iowa Agriculture in the Classroom take a look at some of their lessons and say, you know, you say that this lesson is teaching X, but the students aren't proficient in that area. So either, um, you know, your lesson plans maybe are not as in-depth as you think they are on certain objectives, or um, maybe the students have, you know, information um, from other sources. For example, uh, there were a number of third through fifth grade students who believed that they could get oranges from Nebraska. Um, so clearly, yeah. <laughs> there, maybe there was an inside joke we didn't know about at the school or some, you know, mascot or other thing. Um, so those Nebraska oranges um, will be coming to a table near them, apparently, oh, yes. soon. Um, <laughs> but, you know, in other spaces, we were able to take a look more critically um, out of a selection of tools. They were asked what machines or tools would a farmer most often use, and a computer was in the lineup. Um, and the computer was never circled. And they were asked to circle like all the things, um, you know, out of these options, circle all the things a farmer would use. Um, so that helps us think about how we're depicting agriculture to younger students um, and how they're understanding technology to be evolving in agriculture over time. We need to revisit this Nebraska orange thing for a second. <laughs> I really do appreciate Amelia just she laid that out there and she tried to carry on with a focused conversation about her yeah, quality I mean, work and all you're focused on okay. is oranges in Nebraska. Yeah. Mostly Some because we can't always explain in our grocery in our store. That was one the, finding I couldn't really explain. I think more just the idea like for Brian of how like it was it was like repugnant to him, like oranges in Nebraska. It was. I, like, I, I did feel a visceral <laughs> my I'm sure a physical reaction occurred when you mentioned that as my Florida. But I love that idea. 
Yeah, it's awesome. It'd be fantastic. But one thing I want to go back on, and you and you really mentioned kind of talking about the computers and, and really something that, that is near and dear to my heart and a lot of us have been talking about is this idea of helping people understand what modern agriculture is, even in the third third through fifth grade, but even, even younger, and a concern that we've seen sometimes that some things designed around ag literacy actually causes problems down the road. Yeah. If we show that all agriculture is this nice little red barn with a little farmer in overalls and a straw hat and a cow with big fluffy, you know, big eyes and everything else, they grow up, they go out and they see what real agriculture looks like. And they're like, that's not agriculture because that's not how it's supposed to be done. And we've caused this problem. And I think it's great the work you're doing to make sure that we are really telling the accurate and the true story of what modern agriculture really is for, for all youth uh, and here, in this case, third through, third through fifth graders. So I really appreciate that. And so related to that, while Dr. Warnick's uh, joining us again. Um, <laughs> oh, wait a minute, um, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. There we go. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want to be the guy that says you're on mute, but... Uh, to Brian's point, that's why I haven't finished filling out the coloring book yet because <laughs> the, the pages uh, do, doesn't necessarily represent agriculture very well. Now that I found the unmute button. Uh, one of the interesting things about this study along those lines, Brian, is uh, um, this, this particular population is in a fairly rural area in a highly agricultural state who had been receiving interventions from their uh, state ag in the classroom group, and we still had quite a bit of disparity and 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 uh, incorrect answers, that sort of thing. It makes me wonder, and it, this is that the things that scratch your head. What about students who don't aren't exposed, don't have the level of exposure that these students did? How far off are they? We, you know, we're already talking about Nebraska oranges. How far off are we on other things? Uh, when it comes to agricultural literacy with elementary students. But, but even to the same point there, I think you make a great one. It's the ones that are that are exposed to this, but how, do they really know? We're making the assumption because they drive down the road and they see these things that they understand what they're what they're seeing. Maybe they don't. Maybe the, the ones that right. are in the rural communities don't even really understand the amount of computers that are being used unless we explicitly instruct them about those sort of things. And in some ways, I think we may do better using the resources that definitely come from like Utah state and other places to go into urban areas and teach them about modern agriculture. But yet we are assuming that the folks that live in high Springs, Florida, where I live, understand all the agriculture that's going on around them when they probably don't because they've, they don't deal with it every single day. Well, and even the right. things that, that we choose to simplify, I think about how often we hear the brown milk comes from brown cow. Like that's, that's not the misconception. <laughs> Right. <laughs> that we're talking about, we often oversimplify that even in our conversation about what are we educating about when it comes to comes to modern ag. So I appreciate the bringing the the technology piece in and thinking about just even the global nature of our food. That like just because I can get it in Nebraska doesn't mean that that's where it's where it's grown. And I think so many of those things just we miss in trying to connect with what I used to be. Absolutely. So let's take a step back. I know we got super excited about uh, your work, Amelia, and we talked a little bit about the study, but take a step back for a second and unpack this question for me. So why 
is ag literacy so important? And maybe we started going down that path, but you know, share with us the importance and whether we're in a school-based ag ed program where we could support um, ag literacy and elementary programs and what have you. What Talk to us a little bit about the value there. Well, um, we all, it may seem cliche, but we all eat. And we're all affiliated with agricultural choices every day, whether that's associated with the fuel that we put in our cars, whether that's associated with uh, forestry products that we use, uh, and, um, you know, then certainly the foods that we buy at the grocery store, farmer's market, uh, grow in our gardens, all those sorts of things. And to, to be thinking critically about where our world is headed and whether that's people who are food insecure that are in our neighborhoods, whether that's, you know, an access issue or a quantity issue, um, whether it's climate change, whether it's technology use in our own homes or uh, as we talked about on farms, um, each of those things are, uh, you know, we have the opportunity to make decisions about every day. And as students who grow up thinking critically about how the processes that bring uh, agricultural goods to the market and to their own homes um, will be stronger decision makers in their future um, and have the ability to influence policymakers, community members, um, you know, and teachers have the ability to do that. Not to mention it currently, especially in uh, the science community in, in elementary schools, science standards, um, but in other standards as educational standards as well, there's a lot of influence or a, a lot of desire for real world application of the theories and concepts that they're supposed to be learning at those younger grade levels. And so agriculture creates a great platform when we talk about social studies and, and you know, we, we start with kindergartners and what do you see in your neighborhood? And then as the grade levels increase, it builds to what do you see in your town? What are businesses? What does commerce in your town look like? And grow beyond that to, to have a world purview in social studies or similarly science. You know, at first we're starting with seeds and seed sprouts on Ziploc bags taped to the window and progress to, you know, maybe putting one in the closet and saying, why doesn't it grow in the dark and, you know, grow from there. And so agriculture has the opportunity to be that real world application for all of those different things. I think you, that is very well said. I mean, I think that where what you just shared with us really came to light for me is we were able to work with what we, what's called the Florida Youth Institute, the Florida Teacher, Teacher Institute these last couple of weeks. And we recorded in the summer. It's probably going to be playing sometime in the fall, but we're out there and we are touring uh, one of the research education centers here in North Central Florida. And part of that, they were doing uh, trials on different varieties of corn for silage and this, the, the person giving the tour was talking about polymer-wrapped nutrients and whatever else, as we're talking about. And these students and these teachers didn't even know anything about the corn plant. And we finally just stopped and, you know, again, old Illinois car, you know, farm boy myself started talking about, here's the tassel, here's the silk, here's what it does. Their eyes lit up. And even the, so we had teachers, these were elementary and middle school teachers who, who are not agriculture teachers, spent the week with us doing these sort of things. They got excited as, wait a minute, I can use this corn plant that they see going down the road. This is a great example when I start talking to my either elementary or middle school science teachers where we start talking about reproduction, of how the tassel creates the pollen and the silk and how reproduction occurs and all these things going on. They got excited, and we all just assumed 
everybody knows how a corn plant works. Well, they're around it all the time and didn't know. And now that provides this great vehicle for them to be teaching these science concepts. So now we're going to be having agricultural concepts taught in the general science at middle schools and elementary schools because they saw that happening through an ag literacy event that we that we were doing for the last couple of weeks. That's super awesome. And as much in school-based ag ed as we'd like to reach everybody, all students in career in tech ed, we know that's not possible. And so examples like that are great ways to extend that learning to other subject areas in the schools. A great way to extend up. Um, but a piece that you had talked about a little bit before was how do we also extend into younger grades and how do we use SBA or school-based ag ed as a mechanism to really do some of that ag literacy work with some of the younger grades? As school-based ag ed teachers are considering that, um, you know, I would really encourage them to take a look at the, the National Ag in the Classroom website and the curriculum matrix that's there with free lessons to download across all grade levels and subjects, you know. Um, my background, and I, I originally thought I was going into agricultural education at the high school level and and writing lesson plans as a you know new undergraduate student intimidated me. And finding these lessons um, on the curriculum matrix for your high school students to use if they have any partnership program where maybe if you're in a comprehensive high school and you have the opportunity to go into your elementary school, maybe it's National Agriculture Week, maybe it's FFA Week, maybe it's some other theme that your school district has and a time for that kind of high school, elementary school partnership and take a look at those lessons. They're all scripted. So it gives, um, you know, a step-by-step materials list. It gives step-by-step instructions. So those high school students can work on their delivery and it alleviates some pressure off you as the ag teacher to have something already available that you can just sort by grade level and download for your students to use. Great resources. Oh, awesome, I, great resources. And a great opportunity for partnerships. Gosh, yeah. come on, ag teachers. This is a great way we have, ag, you know, every state has some sort of ag in the classroom or ag literacy program. Use it as a way to really get your students um, a chance to teach. And again, very selfishly, they might you might get a couple of FFA members teaching elementary, like, hey, I might get excited about this teaching thing and come be ag teachers themselves. Yeah. And utilizing that resource that's out there rather than recreating the wheel. Excellent, thanks. And, and, and one of those challenges, I think, is, and, and where we need to rely on our ag teachers and our local resources is the elementary teachers that have little to no ag experience. And so you, you talked about agriculture earlier, um, having, um, being a good resource or a good way to teach science and, and teach social sciences, talk about rural communities and the benefits of those. But at the same time, a lot of our elementary teachers may not necessarily feel comfortable talking about that or using the corn plant um, to talk about science and reproduction because they, they're not familiar with it either. And Ag in the Classroom does, does a lot of great work in helping prepare teachers. Others do that as well. But uh, I think our ag teachers in our local communities can also provide that support and, and help as well. And you may have some other ideas as well. Teachers are consumers too. So they're making decisions on ballots. They're making decisions at the grocery store and they have a huge influence over their student population. So any opportunity that an ag teacher has to maybe share, maybe it, maybe the district has science professional development and it grabs all the science teachers together and you have the opportunity to 
have some FaceTime, bring them out to the barn with the animals or take them to a land lab or community garden, whatever that opportunity is to just draw that excitement and share the resources like Brian was sharing earlier with your teacher professional development in Florida and get those teachers excited about what the examples that agriculture could provide and give them some context so they feel more comfortable. You know, and with that is, I think to Mike's point, ag teachers, this is a real opportunity not only to build the collaboration with your elementary and middle school teachers, but as I think I learned from working with these middle school teachers and elementary teachers last week, there were other groups getting curriculum materials about agriculture and natural resources to elementary programs. I will not mention their names, but that they, I will say they have a different narrative about what agriculture and natural resources does and our purposes than what we are. And I'm, and if we don't make that connection and help our elementary teachers see how agriculture can be used as a, as a way to teach science, they're getting that information. They're getting ways to use ag as a, as a science in the science teacher, but maybe not telling it what we would say is the an accurate view of what's happening. And so as an ag teacher, you can actually build that narrative, meet the needs of the elementary and middle school teachers by giving them a context to teach and actually help building the overall thing that the ag and natural resource industry really gets a much more accurate narrative being told. I think with the context piece, one of the things that really stands out to me, it goes back to something Amelia said pretty early as far as, you know, we all, we all eat, we all make ag related choices. And I think we kind of take those for granted, whether we're really closely connected with ag or not. It's when it's just something you do all the time, when it's something you see all the time, like thinking about my kids who don't live on a farm right now, we drive by a cornfield and there was a time <laughs> when my kids were like, Oh, is that corn or is that soybeans or is it this or is it this? And now they just know, like, it's just something we drive by. So to think about, you know, how do we use those things that are in our everyday lives and really draw attention to them in ways that, that use them as teaching tools. I think we, we forget how, how to use some of those things that are just so obvious all the time. Yeah. As a fourth generation person to grow up on my family's farmland here in Michigan, I once was at a seminar about communication and communicating in agriculture. And the the speaker very point blank told me, you need to find more friends outside of agriculture. And at first I was a little offended and like, uh, okay, I didn't come here to like get friendship advice or whatever, but (laughs) um, it really actually opened my eyes to, to just that. When you live it, it's hard to see the other side. And um, the National Agriculture in the Classroom Conference is a place where we can bring teachers who don't have experience. You know, it's often in workshops that I've provided or listened to where you you see those aha moments from those teachers who maybe got a scholarship or someone nominated them to go or something and they didn't really have an ag connection before. And it, it's really great when you do see see that realization for them. I do need the friendship advice of me because you see who I end up hanging out with, with these two. <laughs> so I do, I do need to find better friends is what I heard you say. I'm not sure who needs they the help. Tell me how to find them. Now, Amelia, thank you so much. Uh, Brian Warnick as well. Thank you guys so much for sharing this. I mean, you, you are doing phenomenal work, really carrying this stuff out and really appreciate you what you're doing every single day and appreciate you, um, sharing this with all of us, you know, you're right in Michigan, correct? You're getting your degree from Utah state and you were doing mission work in Iowa. I appreciate that. Well, (laughs) um, for your, for here, 
Um, <laughs> you know, I do appreciate they they do need all the help they can get up up there. Second. <laughs> To all of my friends in Iowa, that was a joke. I'm just kidding. It's great. Uh, Can't say the same for Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Mike does need all the help he can get. Um, No, I really do appreciate everything you got going on. This is a great, uh, great study, great organization and and, uh, study that you got going on for your dissertation and other work. We do encourage folks to check out the work of the National Ag Literacy uh, group and the, that matrix that they've got going on and find those resources as well as reaching out to find the agriculture in the classroom group in your particular state. As far as I know, every state has one of some sort. I can't think of one that's missing, uh, but check those out. Use those resources, building that strong connection with your ag ed students, FFA members, and your elementary middle school teachers uh, throughout there. So Brian, Amelia, thank you so much for being with us here today on Owl Pellets. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Check out our website for more information on this topic and to learn more about our guests. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram to stay connected. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you'll never miss an episode. For Mike and Becky, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets Tips for Ag Teachers.